0: Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card...
1: Right this way.
0: It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
0: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosen.
1: And I'm David Gurra. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is
1: The Draymond Green Show presented by FanDuel. The sports calendar is packed. No better place to get in on the action than FanDuel. So many sports right now. NBA, college hoops, March Madness, PGA Tour app is safe, secure, easy to use. They've got exclusive offers, boosts, all that stuff this month on FanDuel. And when you win, you get paid fast. So jump into the action. They have live betting. You can combine multiple bets, same game and a same game parlay. Try out same game parlay plus. Today, start making every moment more and download the FanDuel app today. 21 plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FANDUEL.com slash RG Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 NEXT STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342, Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit slash chat, Connecticut. 1 800 with it, Indiana. 1 800 visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. one eight seven seven 770 Stop, Louisiana. Call 1 800 327 5050 or visit www.mahelpline.org/slash problem gambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1 877 8 Hope, New York or text Hope, New York 467 369, New York. 1 800 522 4700, Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. What's up,
2: everybody? Welcome back to the Draymond Green Show. Um, in life, there's just certain things and those things are like, just what they are. Like some people say it's Bible, some people say it's facts. Whatever you call it, the fact of the matter is, one of those things in life is that Flint and Saginaw, Flint, Michigan and Saginaw, Michigan is connected. It's intertwined. It's like one in the same. Both produces great basketball players, both produces stars, both produces great people. Blue collar cities. And when you come from those places, you, you, you carry a certain thing with you. I'm honored to have a guy from Flint, Michigan as the guest today. But not only is this guy from Flint, Michigan, and we have that connection. We actually have one of the best connections that you you can have. And when you play basketball, it don't get no better than that connection. It's my brother, Javel McGee, three-time NBA champ, two-time NBA champ, here with us to Golden State Warriors. My brother, welcome to the show. How you Thanks doing, bro? Me.
3: I'm chilling, man. I'm chilling. Appreciate you having me, bro.
2: Absolutely, man. I am excited. I am excited as hell for this episode, not only – um. You know, because it it goes so much deeper than basketball. Like, this is, for those of y'all that don't know, this is a guy that I still have an incredible relationship with that's my brother beyond any basketball stuff. To the point that last year I was doing this podcast, or actually I tweeted, um... And I tweeted something about this guy right here. And I was laughing and I was joking. And he hit me up like, yo, what's that about? Like, like, why would you tweet that? Like, that's bullshit. And I'm like, yo, I didn't take the tweet that way. But if that's what you think, like, if that's the way you took the tweet, then I apologize to you. And I was wrong. And I'll make that right. Like, that's the relationship here. So, I'm excited as hell to have this conversation.
3: Facts, Facts. no, No no, fake internet love. Just hits you right away. Straight Absolutely. to the numbers.
2: Absolutely. But, I mean, let's get into it, man. You, 16th overall pick uh, in the 18th, NBA draft. 18th, 18th pick. 18th yeah. pick in the NBA draft. In the 2008 draft, it's crazy to think you've been in the league. What's this, your 16th year? This is my 15th. 15th year? That's, that's crazy to think. You know, for a guy who... They never really gave a chance to make it. What's just what's just talk to me about that fifteen year journey and what's it been like for you making it uh, the way you have becoming a three time NBA champion and all of that good stuff.
3: Um, I mean it's been a, it's been a long journey uh, for sure, and it's been a lot of ups, a lot of downs, and just consistency on believing in, in myself. That's really the only thing that I've been consistent on through everything is believing in myself. Believe in in my lows, I still can do it. Believing in my highs, I gotta continue to do it. So just just self-confidence, if anything, that, that 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 and and the structure of being from a town that they don't think you're gonna go to college. Absolutely. <laughs> Let alone be a part of the one the percent. And if people don't understand, one percent is like the net worth of five hundred thousand dollars. That's one percent. Net, net, worth five, net worth of $5 million <laughs> is, is 0.01%. So just $500,000 net worth is crazy from where, I'm, where I'm from. So just being able to make it this far is just amazing.
2: Uh, I think it's absolutely incredible. And in your career, it got off to a rocky start. Like, it wasn't all piece mm-hmm. and cream. Like, you you grew into a guy that, and we'll get into this as we go on, but you grew into a guy that became the missing piece of championship teams.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And like I said, we'll get into that, but it, it didn't start off that way. Like, I, just, just walk me through starting off uh, with um, the Washington Wizards and how that was.
3: Starting off, uh, 18th pick. So if you know anything about basketball, if you're not lottery, which is, I think, th- top 13, you they don't really care about you. You're just a, yeah. they, they, you're going you're gonna to go through the process. So, uh, I came in, you know, uh, 1 through 13, they automatically, okay, we're giving the ball to you. We're going to see what you can do. Let's go. Absolutely. For 18, mm-hmm, I came to a team with, with Brendan Haywood, Karan Butler, uh, Antoine Jamison, Gilbert Arenas. Um, and I believe it was after the year they had just went far in the playoffs. Um, <clears throat> so, it was more of a winning mindset when I got there. So, it was like, JaVale, you're probably not going to play. Um, and then uh, uh I think we were going to we were going to play in Germany and one other city overseas for like uh you know how in the beginning of the season some teams do preseason games in different different countries and Brendan Haywood broke his hand. So uh I don't at the time we had uh Eddie Jordan as the as the as the coach and uh Brendan Haywood broke his hand. I don't think and we had Etan Thomas also. So he was ahead of me also. But I don't think Eddie Jordan and Etan Thomas were seeing eye-to-eye at the time. So that, for my career, propelled me straight to the starting lineup for the first 10 games of the season. Um, So we go 0-10 the first 10 games of the season. (laughs) They, They fire Eddie Jordan. Boom, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, so at that point, and Gilbert Arenas is hurt this year, also. Um, so right. we don't really have that team, that same team. Gilbert Arenas is hurt this year. Um, so they fire Eddie Jordan and they bring in the player development guy. I believe that's what his 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 role was. Eddie Tapscott.
2: Not sure it's, who that guy exactly. is. Exactly.
3: <laughs> he's still he's still over there too. I seen him when, uh I think last year. He's still over there. I see some role. Uh, and Eddie Tascott, he didn't, he didn't rock with rookies. So from just that point, I had a whole three sixty turnaround. I'm like, nah, uh-uh, you're not, you're not getting this start, role. What do you think this is? And it was, it was over from there. I was, I was sent to the bench and to, to that rookie role, that humbling rookie role. So my, my my rookie year was extremely humbling. uh At that point, Um I believe. The next year, they hired uh, Eddie Tosca was the interim coach until the end of that year. The next year, I believe they hired Flip Saunders, mm-hmm. um, and I and me and Flip Saunders never really rest in peace. Me and Flip Saunders never really uh, saw eye to eye, um, but it was it was in part of him being a, a tenured coach that knows a lot, and me being a young young player that that understands how to communicate with coaches but doesn't realize once I get to the NBA these aren't your bosses these are your your uh coworkers absolutely and and you guys' relationship should be a coworker vibe it's not like college where you look at your head coaches like oh whatever he say goes like huh. you know what i'm saying so it, absolutely. it's different and that, that that's also a maturity thing like i wish i wish that uh, rookie transition program they had teach you about that like your coach is is your coworker. he's not your your boss and you're going to it yeah you're going to it with that mindset and sometimes and i feel like i went into that mindset and some things i couldn't take like i'm from flint like somebody talked to you crazy or talked to you a certain way you don't respond the way you should sometimes and I, I was an extremely short fuse back then um so we we didn't really get along I believe I sat maybe like 42 games DMPs my sophomore year uh from just not getting along with the coach if anything I don't know if it was play or what it was but just not being on the same page um I believe the next year he got fired or yeah I believe he got fired and then it was uh I can't remember his name, but he was the coach. He and then we got another coach. I forgot his name, though. I, I always forget. But that's four coaches mm-hmm. in my first two three seasons on on my first team. Um. So, which is crazy. I'm i uh, I'm I'm there with some other young guys: Nick Young, Andre Blatch, Dominique McGuire, and we all just trying to figure it out. But we're all extremely immature. Uh, Gil Arenas wasn't healthy, so we didn't get to see the example of the Gil everyone knows in the Absolutely. gym at 3 a.m. Uh, coming back late three, four times a year. We had the I'm injured, so I got a bag. I'm, I'm having fun, Gil, <laughs> and it rubbed <laughs> off a little bit on all of us for sure. Yeah. Um. So we we picked up some, a little bit of bad habits early on in my career. Um. I get traded my. Third year, I believe, I go to Denver, um, and I think I traded for Nene. Um, yep. I went to Denver, and it's a whole different coaching staff. I got Coach Carl. Um, now, me and Coach Carl, we didn't we didn't get along in, in a certain sense. Um, but my aspect of me not getting along with Coach Carl was more: you got Costa Kufo starting ahead of me right now. That was <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Costa. That's my guy. <laughs> but even Costa said to me like you should be starting <laughs> like so when the guy ahead of you was telling you that it's just like what's what's really going on why why, why are we doing this but that was before I realized the politics that goes in basketball mm-hmm. uh the relationships you have to have with GMs on these teams um absolutely like it's just so much I learned actually after going to the Warriors so so, so I I have
2: a question for you so check okay. this uh mm-hmm. do you think because Early on in my career, I felt like it's what I noticed just from the outside looking in. Obviously, I'm not in Denver. But I think, or I thought, and I still think, due to the contract extension that you signed with the Denver Nuggets, that George Carl was punishing you for that contract that the Denver Nuggets signed you to.
3: For sure. Because that's for what sure. it looked like to me. It felt like he didn't He didn't like the fact that, that I got that extension, mm-hmm. even though that, that playoff series before, I was a major part of that playoff series, uh, mm-hmm. playing against Kobe uh, and the Lakers, me and Kenneth Perry. We uh, I don't know if it was that year or the year after we had uh, 57 wins, the year after, after that, I believe. So we had a good team, and we're playing well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to say I was the best pro in the world, but I was also a young guy who had a, a hell of a motor, and who wanted to play basketball. Like, I love playing basketball. If I'm doing anything, it's playing basketball I want to play. Um, So I definitely felt, uh, I don't want to say envy or anything, but more of a, this guy doesn't deserve this, so I'm going to punish him for type of energy. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt about that situation. Um, And then he left. I don't know if he left or got fired. And then uh, Brian Shaw came in.
2: Brian Shaw came
3: in. So that's six coaches in my first Six years, mm-hmm. I believe. Uh, so Brian Shaw came in. Brian Shaw came in, and me and Brian got got along pretty well. But I had the year before Brian Shaw came in, I got injured, mm-hmm. and I had a stretch That's fracture the rod in my in shin. Your shin. Yeah, right? yep, yep. Okay. I got a I got a rod in my shin right now, and I'm having it for life. Um, but yeah, I had a stress fracture in my shin, so I got to I only got to play, I believe, ten maybe five games starting under Brian Shaw until I had to go out and uh and and just rest my, my shin. Um so I never actually got to play for Brian Shaw. Um and then I believe they bought no, no, they traded me to to Philly after that. Yeah. So that's seven coaches. <laughs> and then I and and then I uh and then I got waived or they bought me out. They bought me out after that. So in my mind, I'm at a moment where, oh shit, like I got bought out. I understood the buyout process, but of course I have the 100% belief in myself to where I'm going to get healthy and I'm going to be straight. But mm-hmm. at a certain point in my recovery from my shin, uh, you start getting doubt, you start doubting yourself and doubting like, is this going to last? Like, is, is it over for me? Like, this is an injury that some people just don't come back from. And mm-hmm. I'm I one of those people. So uh, after that summer, I, had, I got bought out. I went to – I signed a two-year team option um, to Dallas. Dallas. Um, yeah. If I'm right, that's eight coaches or seven coaches? <laughs> that's
2: eight.
3: Eight, <laughs> eight coaches uh, and with Rick Carlisle. Um, I'm still feeling the pain in my shin, but the doctor tells me, well, the best news is you can't break it again. So you could just fight through the pain. So in my mind, I'm like, well, forget it. I can fight through the pain. As long as it don't break, that's all I'm worried about. But if you really think about that, that's a crazy thing. That's crazy. To, like you're supposed to, to live in pain every day? Like
2: <laughs> Every time that's, you take the court, you're supposed to feel pain? That's nuts.
3: That's crazy. That don't make and you even, hate basketball. You see what I'm saying? And it's a crazy aspect of myself being able to put myself in that mental mindset of fuck it. I'm I'm grinding. This is what I what I'm here to do. I'm I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna fight through this pain rather than just being like, you know what, just no, it still hurts. Sit out. But mm-hmm. I took that, I took that advice and I took it to heart and I said, you're right, it, it made sense to me. It's not gonna break. Um, so I might as well play through it. So I played through it that year. I didn't play a lot that year. I was I was it was it was hard for me to condition that year just because I was still in pain. Mm-hmm. So I I I I gained a couple of pounds. I was about 270, 270. I thought I was buff, but I didn't realize I was fat. (laughs)
2: What is your, so to put into perspective, what is your comfortable playing weight?
3: My comfortable playing weight, 255.
2: Okay. At 15 pounds, you feel every
3: single one of (sighs) them. Every, I'm not jumping as high. I feel every time I jump, like, but in my mind, I'm like, and this is coming off of the Dwight Howard era of him dominating every center. You having, you know, oh, yeah, Dwight's next. Oh, sh- let me do some push-ups and some extra bench presses before <laughs> this game because Dwight is a beast. Um, so I'm like, okay, maybe I need to be bigger. Maybe this is fine than trying to play through that. And that year, uh, so that year went through. I didn't play a lot. There was nothing nothing really to talk about. And they, they decided not to pick up the team option the next year. So now I'm, I'm, I'm in a point in my career where I'm like, okay, uh, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea what's going to happen now. There's not a guaranteed year coming somewhere else. There's not, no one's calling the phone, anything. And I'm injured low key, not injured, but I'm in pain. You say that I'm still in pain. So I'm trying to figure things out, but I never doubted myself to where I, I, I knew in my mind, if I get healthy, it's over for everybody, but mm-hmm. I just got to figure out how to get healthy to to the, to the.
2: When, when, when you're, when the doctor tell you, it, you won't break it. It's fine. It, you just got to deal with the pain. Is that like a doctor you're going to see, or is that a team doctor?
3: Uh, it's the, it's a the team doctor, and it's also the doctor that did my surgery. Okay. Um, I, I chose not to go to uh, the. but this is a funny thing too. Uh, I don't like the fact that doctors have no um, empathy at all. Yeah, they I just, hate they... <laughs> non-empathetic doctors. Like, I understand you. You see people that are gonna die every day. But have some empathy, because when I was going to get the rod in my shin, I talked to the doctor before, the doctor in Denver. And he was like, oh, yeah, it's going to be easy. We're going to uh, open up your knee. We're going to knock the rod in there, put some nails in your ankle, nails in your knee, and you'll be good <laughs> three to six months. And I was just looking at him in the face like, bro, you know what you just told me, bro?
2: What? don't
3: open up my knee, throw a rod in the middle of my bone and put a, and put screws on my ankle and my, and my knee. So I was like, nah, I, and they were saying it's a, it's a possibility. You could just rest and heal it for six months. Uh-huh. So I was like, well, I'm going to try to heal it for six months. Then I don't want to do surgery. So I do the healing for six months and they're like, no, nah, it's still there. You got to get the surgery. So just the way the doctor was talking to me and the, yeah, just be a go put a rod in. I was like, I'm not going to you. I'm going to somebody else. Um, I get a second opinion. I find a guy in Florida who, who, uh, in Miami who decides he's, he can put the rod in, but he doesn't have to put the screws in. And I was like, that sounds way better. You just put the rod in the middle and you don't have to screw in my ankle screw in the top of, That's the of my knee. That sounds crazy. Like that didn't make sense to me. So I went with the guy in Miami and he put a rod in my, in my shin. And, uh, yeah, that, that's how that went. So this is after I got away from, or they didn't, uh, pick up my option the second year in Dallas. Um, I get a call from you guys, Golden State Warriors. Um, but the, the, the caveat about this is it's not guaranteed. We, we got we got a spot for you. Not guaranteed. Won't be guaranteed until January. So uh uh you want it or not. In my mind, I'm like, do I wanna go to the damn near champion? I believe it's the year y'all uh, lost three one. We lost it. Or or y'all lo- y'all lost it, but I'm like, but I wanna go to a championship team? Uh yeah, for sure. I definitely I'm definitely gone. So I go and uh that whole experience it changed it changed my mindset on how basketball is supposed to be played in a in a team aspect. It changed my mindset on how It's a player's league and players communicate with their coaches, with their GM and full transparency. And also just that, you know, that he's the coach, like that college mindset rather than, no, this is my peer. This is my 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 coworker. Mm -hmm. Um, It changed my mindset on that aspect. um, And it really just showed me what championship basketball is about.
2: And it changed your your career.
3: By far, by far, changed my career. Changed the perspective of I had always had that perspective, that chip on my shoulder of Oh, this is the guy from Shacking the Fool. This is the guy who who made funny plays and this and that. He's not that smart. And uh, definitely going to Golden State changed the whole three hundred and sixty. It changed one hundred and eighty, really. Of, Let's of, talk
2: about that. So, so and the Fool um, <clears throat> because this is actually something I really want to talk about when we when we just got on this call, obviously. No one will see this. But uh, Jackson, our producer, asked JaVale, are you on a laptop? JaVale said, no, are you on a computer? JaVale said, I'm on a laptop. And I said to Jackson, he, he was like, okay, cool. Um, and JaVale said, I, yeah, I'm, I'm a big tech guy. And, and I said to Jackson, one of the smartest guys when it comes to any computer or anything with a computer, but really in life. One of the smartest guys I, I know when it comes to these computers. And I said all of that to say, you had this reputation of, like you said, almost like a clown, like shocked in the Fool, uh, he makes these dumb plays, this, that, and the other. Now, quite frankly, <clears throat> as a part of the media now, although I don't operate like most media operate, um, everything's narrative-driven, right? Like you get these narratives they take on a life of their own and quite frankly in the day and age we live in where social media dominates everything and everything's a constant 24-hour news cycle those narratives become reality
3: facts and so, this was the this was the the rise of social media also this mm-hmm. is when twitter when people started when the nba started twitter when nba started instagram and started putting content out and figuring out how content works
2: absolutely so so during that time, you're on Shaq to the Fool every every week, every chance that you're on Shaq and the Fool. And for a while, I felt like before you got here, you would say something back and forth with Shaq. Then once you got here, A, you're playing great basketball. I mean, incredible basketball. And the minutes that you're playing, whatever minutes that is, whether it was 21 minutes one night, whether it was nine minutes the next night. It was twenty four minutes. Whatever minutes you play, you play great basketball. <clears throat> then something happened between you and Shaq. And like what happened to where all of a sudden now you're not on Shaq and the Fool? I mean, it felt like three times
3: a week. Right. Um, it was it was like a last straw. I seen I seen the episode. I'm watching the episode, you know people tag you, everything. I'm like, all right, what do I do now? So I watched the episode, I think I went coast to coast and I missed the layup. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, did they just put me in a second of pool for missing a layup? Not air on a layup, not nothing crazy. Just went coast to coast, I might've did a move and I just missed the layup. I'm just yeah. like, all right, bro. This is it, bro. I'm, I'm not going for this shit no more, bro. Like, come on, bro. You already have your, first of all, you're a your perennial hall of famer. You know what I'm saying? Like your reach mm-hmm. is global. Like kids, uh, kids in villages in China know who Shaq is. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you keep putting this narrative out there about me—first of all, my first question is why. Like, what, do I know somebody you know that you feel a certain type of way about something, or is there a reason that this is happening? Like, and then at the second—the the second part is why'd well, you do this to another black man? Mm-hmm. That's Absolutely. what really like, like, because I don't see you. Uh, the, the white athletes in the league, I don't see you hitting them every, every, every time. So um, I believe, I, believe I, had a, I had a moment where they, when I was on Denver and they, and, they, and they interviewed me about it. And I was just like, I don't like Jack and the Coon. That's just not my thing. I don't like that. Uh, and they thought it was funny. Uh-huh. It, it was skipped over. But then they look at it now and they're like, oh shit, okay. He was on to something. He understands what's really going on. So at that point, I just I just didn't understand why I, I need to be the the butt of his jokes. What did I do to him to where I need to be the butt of his jokes? And I went on Twitter. I went on Twitter because I knew it would get the same reaction as he's getting on mine. And I said what I need to say. And I told him to get off my. I believe I put peanut emojis on the what you call it, so I wouldn't get fined. <laughs> <laughs> thinking, thinking. Of course, I'm like I'm gonna <laughs> lose my money now. So, <laughs> I said, get off my peanut emojis, and then we had a nice back and forth, and uh, yeah, that's that's what that was.
2: No, and I think, uh, and by the way, for those of you who's going to watch this show, um, I used the word "coon" last year, and it was a big, it was a big deal. I respected that, and and I spoke on it. Uh, what you have to understand is when 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 Javale called when he said, "I I I don't watch Shaq in the corner or something," whatever the statement was. A, this is 2013, 2014. Um, So what you have to understand is the time period that that was said, it wouldn't be like if you said it today. Like the climate on those things are totally different. And so it wasn't looked at as like a racially sensitive thing. So I want everybody, all our listeners, subscribers to understand that because under no circumstance uh, is the Draymond Green show trying to get anyone um, find or in trouble or having to apologize, so we're going to address that right now. Um, but in saying that, uh, <clears throat> you, you you came out and you said, and now I'm fast forwarding back to when you were the to Golden to State Warriors. You said, "Yo, this is affecting my career. Like this is this is people are thinking about me just by these plays. I go somewhere. It's really affecting my career." And I, and I felt like when you said that. To Shaq's credit, he said, "I am not going to put Javale McGee on, on Shaq to the fool anymore." And to his credit, to my knowledge, he hasn't. Um, do you feel like things changed for you once that started happening in a positive light?
3: By far, by far. Um, I mean, also winning two championships back to back didn't hurt at all. Absolutely. Um, but after that, it was it was. It was taken of, okay, Javel's a pro. He's serious about the game. Uh, he's locked in. Uh, he was a, a major part of, t- of two, a championship run, two of them back-to-back. Back. Um, and then after that, I got the starting spot with the Lakers after I left you guys. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and in my mind, I'm like, starting center? How do you, how do you go from being waived uh, three years ago from a team to being a starting center on the Lakers? Mm-hmm. Um and I actually had my best year that year um That's with true. LeBron um That's I think true. I had like I averaged 12 and 8 which isn't crazy numbers but for me that was the highest numbers I had I was 30 It's also 30 years per,
2: old. it's also you were averaging 19 minutes a game 20 mm-hmm. minutes a game That's so true. the per 36 which a lot of people judge off of per 36 those averages are probably like
3: 20 and 14 or something Yeah, there like was for 36, they were all-star numbers. Mm, for sure. Um, so so after that year, um, I re-signed with the Lakers. Um, and I'm also the starting center. AD comes um to the team. Um, and we win the NBA championship.
1: Get off the bench, bet the NBA with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, FanDuel's giving new customers 10 times your first bet in bonus bets. Doesn't matter if your first bet is an airball. You'll get up to $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Okay, all on a top rated sportsbook app at FanDuel that's safe, secure, easy to use. Don't miss out. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Colin, FanDuel.com slash Colin. Then place your first bet. Two hundred dollars in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Twenty one plus in select states, FanDuel's offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG, Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia. 1 800 Next Step or text Next Step to 53342, Arizona. 1 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat, Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it, Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com, Kansas. 1 770-STOP, Louisiana. Call 1-800-327-5050 or visit www.ma-helpline.org slash problemgambling. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org, Maryland. 1-877-8HOPE, New York, or text HOPE, New York, four six seven three six nine New York one eight hundred five two two forty seven hundred wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net, West Virginia. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret.
0: You can listen to the Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Absolutely. Um, my which, third. Big time. Don't, don't, don't flex on me <laughs> now, I know it's the <laughs> third. Three. Don't flex on me, big dog. So, you so dog. After, after your first year here, um, mm-hmm. which I felt like at that time, um, DeAndre Jordan's still very prominent in the lead. Uh arguably at that time not really arguably the best lob threat in the league at that time you solidify yourself as arguably the best lob threat in the league to this day I always tell people best lob threat I ever played with um you leave your body you just throw it up anywhere and see one thing that I don't think people understand is when I say best lob threat it's it's actually you and Andre Gadala, but when I say best lob threat it was that I could throw it up there and. And if you can't dunk it, see, most guys, you throw a lob to it, and if they can't dunk it, they miss it, the ball go out of bounds. If you can't dunk it, you'll just grab the ball and come back down. Mm-hmm. And so, so you, you solidify yourself as arguably the best lob threat in the league. After year one with the Warriors, you had offers to go elsewhere for a little more money. Yeah. What, what, what made you say, nah, I'm no, I'm not taking that. I'm going to come back to the Warriors for a second year and and take a minimum again.
3: Um, t- tasting that championship, man. Seeing seeing what it took, game one to game eighty two to every game in the playoffs of what it took. The brotherhood that I felt, the the energy, the way the Warriors organization treats their players. Mm-hmm. I had been to mm-hmm. three four teams, and the Warriors by far still to this day treat their players the best mm-hmm. out of anybody just just one aspect of of the way that the warriors does uh dinners on the road.
2: Yeah.
3: I still haven't seen it. I've been on four teams after that, I believe.
2: We appreciate you, Joe. Peter. <laughs> For we appreciate sure. appreciate those dinners.
3: <laughs> For sure. Just just the, the aspect of that being able to 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 congregate with your teammates, not only your teammates, but your teammates friends and family and not worrying about the bill just yeah, order whatever you want. We're all just going to congregate and fellowship and, and really enjoy. And that that was one aspect. And I'm like, oh, I got to do this again. Like a, a million more ain't going to do it for me. I, I need to do this again. And it worked out.
2: You finished with the Warriors, went to championships. You didn't leave, go to the Lakers second year. You win a second championship. But <clears throat> while in L.A., more things happen for you. Um, mm-hmm. Number one. Uh, I feel like you and that Lakers team were the first guys to really learn how to, like, monetize social media from an NBA perspective. Like, mm-hmm. pregame, walking in, lifts, um, you name it. It's like all of a sudden you guys were producing content.
3: For sure. For sure.
2: Who, what what was driving that? Who was driving that? How did you guys kind of fall into that? Like, what was the driving force in that?
3: Um, I've always had a had an eye for. I wanted to go to film school when I when I came out of college, I mean, when I came out of high school, uh, I wanted to go to USC, but I couldn't go to USC because they wanted to the redshirt me. I wanted to go there for, for for film school, but I understood I'm here for basketball, so I was like, I got to go somewhere where I can play right away. So I'm with Nevada. Um, so when I went to the Lakers. That's that's Hollywood. You know what I'm saying? Like it's Hollywood. The opportunities you get playing just playing for the Lakers. I don't care if you're on the bench, just the opportunity of playing for the Lakers at a good season or a bad season are amazing. Um and then I started this thing where uh I had uh, who did I have I had Gunnar Peterson as my weightlifting coach um yeah. the first year. Uh the thing about Gunner is Gunner is a celebrity trainer.
2: Yes, like, he is.
3: <laughs> so yes, content is, is Gunnar's thing. Gunner loves content. Like he loves it. Uh, so I would, I would film every lift that I would do and I was mm-hmm. lifting every day. So I had content every day of, of, of 365 days <laughs> of, of lifting on my, on my page. So you would see a workout every day, every day, every day. And in the, in the process of filming those things, I actually had to do those workouts. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm performing at a, at an elite level also. And I'm getting that work in, but I'm also getting the content aspect of it. And at the same time, other GMs are seeing these workouts too. They're going to my Instagram seeing this. Other te- other teams are seeing this. Coaches are seeing this and really seeing how locked in I really am and have been. I just never really put it out to the public. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I got to L.A., I made sure I got a, a, I got a, a what is it called, content team. Um, I had a content team, and I made sure that I was putting out gems as as much as possible.
2: Uh, I I like I was watching it at the time, and I'm like, man, like you, Bron, uh, Cools, like you, you name it, guys were literally producing content, and like you see a lot of that now in the NBA, but I don't think people realize how like how much of a difference three, four years can make. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you see a lot of it now, three, four years later, but four
3: years ago. It wasn't like that, no.
2: And also kind of frowned upon.
3: You had to, that was what I was just about to say, you had to post stuff and be like, did we win this game? Like, you had to really think about that. Uh, And it was even worse back, like, my rookie year, I used to post stuff on YouTube. But it was before YouTube was actually YouTube. I don't even think you could monetize YouTube back then. I just liked content and coaches, not coaches, but GMs and, and the upper, upper staff would tell me like, you need to focus on basketball. There's other things. You don't need to be worrying about that content stuff and Twitter and all that stuff before my time by far. And my, the the second year I got the opportunity of going to the bubble. Mm Um, when we won the championship and I was the vlogger. I vlogged every moment in the bubble yep. and people loved it. They loved every moment of it. me and uh, Matisse Stiebel were, were, were the two guys who were vlogging, but they got knocked out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I vlogged all the way to the championship. Another <laughs> so, flex. Don't miss it. Don't miss <laughs> the flex. Something like, something like <laughs> Nothing too crazy. Uh, I, I vlogged all the way to the championship so I went into the in, in, in locker room celebration, uh, I'm giving you content you will never see. You 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 won't right. see that until uh, the thirty for thirty comes out or the, in, in thirty the, years. The, you see what I'm saying? <laughs> so and you can go back and watch that now. And that's just think about that. Thirty years from now, you'll be able to go back and watch that and understand mm-hmm. what mindsets Brown was in, AD was in, I was in. You can see the different relationships. It's a crazy concept, and I figured that out early. The funny part is, it was right before I was packing. I, I had packed all my stuff up. I called my content guy. I'm like, should I bring my should I bring my uh, my vlog camera with me? He was like, might as well just film the process. I I was like, all right, cool. I'm gonna do that. And I filmed from me getting out the car, kissing my girl and my daughter uh, goodbye, getting on the plane, and going into the bubble. And I filmed from that day into the championship, and it was epic. It was it was epic.
2: That's incredible, man. By the way, you should definitely do like. Like use that put put you something together, man. And like it, it, it ain't gotta be now. Because right. As you know, you keep that content forever. But that's gold. Like mm-hmm. because like right now, you know, people forget it's been three, four years, people forget, but in ten years, people are gonna be like, Oh, you remember when this happened and that happened and it led to this and you got some gold on your hands. But for sure. And speaking of LA, you go to LA. Also, some other things started to take place for you. Uh, You have been into music. You've been into music for years, making beats, Mm -hmm. making Mm -hmm. songs. Um, You go to L.A., you win a Grammy.
3: I'm Grammy-nominated. Okay, you
2: get nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. Like, talk about that. Active basketball player, and I, I say active, active in the highest way, like winning championships. Yeah. And yet, being nominated for Grammys, like talk about that experience. Tell us the song, like how it came about, like and also, and then how you uh, originally got into making beats and, and doing yeah. different things with the music.
3: Yeah. So, so originally, I got into music, uh, like 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 Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm I'm a tech guy. Like you said, I'm I'm a big tech guy. So once I figured out, I seen online or something that you can make music through your computer. I was like, wait, wait, you don't need a whole. Mix board and all this crazy machine that you see, you know, the old videos on YouTube of Kanye making beats and he go, runs over here and makes another beat. I'm just like, I can't afford to get all that stuff. Like, I don't, I don't, But as soon as I found out, in, I think it was a college action, I bought uh, I bought maybe a, a $600 laptop. I downloaded FL Studio and I made some beats. And then me and my roommate, we made, we made like an album. I hope that never comes out. I hope that no one ever finds that. We had a a MySpace with our our album cover on it and six songs on it. It was crazy. But I was just making beats, and it was just something I was interested in. It was just another passion of mine. Um, So then when I got to the NBA, I had a little bread on me. I went and got me an iMac. The first thing I downloaded on the iMac is Logic Pro, which is a a beat-making program. Um, So I downloaded that. So I'm working on that. I have been working on it for at least 10 years, making beats, but nothing crazy i just i didn't have a feel for it yet just because i didn't really know the ins and outs of how it really works i used to think you just use the stock beats i didn't realize you have to meet other producers and other producers that give you drums and different sounds to really enhance your producing um once i got to go state actually uh i was i believe i was playing eight minutes a game so I I had a little bit more time than guys like you who were playing 25, 30 minutes a game and and like that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to get this basketball done, but I got a lot of free time. Let me think of different aspects of how I can uh, generate my passion and and what I'm really into. So then I started working with guys around the Oakland area, just making music. I'm in the studio with I am Sue. Uh, I met uh, a Marky Basie, uh, a lot of, a lot of people in in the Bay that I'm locked in with. And, and the, the energy, it it was just amazing. I'm making songs, I'm producing songs. And it was just that, that vibe. I carried that over that same energy over into LA. Um, So when I got to LA, I was in studios, I was meeting A&Rs, I was meeting, and everybody trying to meet as many people as possible while I was in L.A. to take advantage of that aspect of playing for the Los Angeles Lakers. Um, And in the process, I met this uh, uh, amazing songwriter named um, Pooh Bear. And and he's Justin Bieber's main songwriter. Uh, I I had met Pooh Bear probably four summers before, and I had met him in the summer because I would stay in L.A. in the summer. And I paid him $13,000 to write two songs for me. Never used neither one of those songs. Never used neither one of them. But I kept the relationship, and we were still cool, blah, 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 blah. So when I got to L.A., he's like, pull up to the studio. I'm like, all right, here I come. I come to the studio. We get in the studio. Um, I'm playing in some samples, playing some of my beats. He hears one of my beats, and he tells me, take the drums off. Let me just hear that melody. And I'm playing that melody and he's like, "All right, load this up." So we loaded into the to uh into Pro Tools and he just starts writing the song. Like we we, we collab. He's like, "Should I say this? Should I say that?" I'm like, "Yeah, say that. Say that." And we damn near write, we write the verse, the chorus, and the second verse. And that's it. That's all I heard of it. Wasn't no drums on it, wasn't anything on it. And at the time it wasn't like, "Hey, come to the studio so you can make a song for Justin Bieber." No. Nah, it was just come to the studio. So we came to so I came and I I did that. We made that, we made one song. It's the only song we made, and it was over. It was like, all right, cool, appreciate it, bro. Cool vibe, cool session. And that's usually how producing works. People don't understand. People think producing is just, hey, give a beat to an artist, he uses it, and now you're platinum. Nah. Being a producer is hard work. You have to be in the studio when these artists want to be in the studio. And And you have to have the type of beats that that artist wants to listen or rap or sing to when they feel like it so it's three in the morning like all right i don't feel like doing trap anymore i want to do an r&b record got any Ah, let me pull up this laptop all right here go some beats and it's not oh i got one beat here you go it's you got 20 of them i can listen to like like you want me to give you 20 so you can pick one like it's hard work (laughs) it is not easy People think it's just, oh, uh, you a star or whatever, They just let you no, nah, it's not like that. So I uh so after that uh I I, I I get the what 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 part am I on right now?
2: Uh you are on uh y'all had y'all wrote the and y'all wrote, wrote the song. Okay, it was okay. just so the we, melody. We wrote the song it, again. It,
3: was, it was just the melody. We wrote the song and it was great. So about two, I don't know, maybe two, three or four months later, my house had got had got broken into um and then Pool Bear's house had got broken into too. So he called me. He calls me. He's like, hey, I heard your house get broken into. Can you give me some details? Like I'm trying to figure out who robbed my house also. So we just talking about that. And then at the end of the con combo, he's like, Man, I'm sorry to hear that, blah, blah, blah. He's like, Oh yeah, you made the album. I'm just like, What like what are you talking about? What album? We didn't <laughs> talk about any albums or anything. He's like, You made the Justin Bieber album. Like, well, that's a great way to end this conversation. Like, <laughs> damn, like that's fire. Like, amazing. I made a Justin Bieber album. Like, and and the song on the album is uh, it's on his Changes album, which got nominated for a Grammy. And the way that uh, Grammy nominations work is, if an album is nominated for a Grammy, the producers on that album are nominated for a Grammy, the writers on that album are Grammy for a Grammy, and the singers on that album nominated for a Grammy. So that's in turn how I was nominated for a Grammy for being a producer on a Justin Bieber album.
2: That's insane. Yeah. Like that's nuts to be on a a Justin Bieber album. That's crazy. Um, So now like, like what's going on with the music now? Um, Like what can we expect? Like, are you diving more into the music now? Are you taking a break? Like where, where are you with it now?
3: Um i'm locked in i'm locked in um i'm i have I have i probably got like twenty finished songs right now wow. uh yeah and i got some i have like five with major artists, but unfortunately some of the major artists are like in legal trouble right now, mm-hmm. so that's the thing about rap artists like you're like you never know like it might be legal trouble it might be this or that. Um, but yeah, I got, a, I got a lot of tracks, uh, that's just sitting on the shelf right now that, that I need to put out. I definitely need to lock in and just put them out and just see what the world thinks of them. Um, but I'm still locked in music. I got, I got my, my little studio set up over here. Like I, everywhere I go, I put a studio in my house. And
2: before we get out of here, um, uh, obviously we touched on the music, but just want to really get back to basketball before we go. Our time is almost up, but, uh, you with the Dallas Mavericks this year, um, <clears throat> signed a very nice lucrative contract in the offseason, and uh, the year hasn't quite gone how you would expect it once you signed the contract. Just what's your, what's your mindset been like? I, you know, sometimes you play, sometimes you don't. Uh, kind of like back dealing with some of the stuff that you were dealing with early on in your career, what's your mindset been like just going through this season?
3: Um, going through it again is, is at this age and at this, at at my tenure on what I've done in the league, uh, the person I am, the man I've grown into, uh, how I've matured. Um, I'm, it's a lot, it's not gonna say easier. It's a lot, uh, it's a lot easier to, 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 to dive into it and to, and to weave my way through and figure out what I need to do to stay uh, a professional to make sure I'm still here for my team, to make sure that when I do get the opportunity to go in there and do what I do, that I do I, it to the highest ability. I stay in shape. Uh, I'm not a, uh, unfortunately, some people, when, when, when they get demoted, I guess you can say, uh, because I definitely came in here to be a starting center. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, when they get demoted, they tend to become a cancer to a team. Um, and that's never been my, my, my MO. That's never been my, my character. My character is I'm going to do whatever it takes to win. And personally of course I feel like if we want to win we need me. But at the same time I respect the coaches. I respect what they have going on and how they want to run the team knowing I came into their system. You know what I'm saying? So Mm -hmm. I respect everybody's decisions. I don't agree with everybody's decisions. And you don't have to. You, You live a life to disagree. Living in a free country, you can feel how you want to feel. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm just here being a pro. Um, when they need me, they'll use me, and I will be uh, efficient in what I do. Um, and that, that's how I feel about the situation. That's really all I can say about the situation. But of course, I want to play it, it, yeah. in 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 the end of it.
2: You, you don't you don't become who you are and, and what you've gone through not wanting to play. So I, I definitely respect that and honestly as you know in this league your opportunity gonna come again whether it's there or sometime in the future whether it's somewhere else your opportunity gonna come again but mm-hmm. uh, like I said before we get out of here man what 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 can we expect from Javel McGee how much longer are you playing basketball and then soon as you wrap that up should we expect you full force full-fledged into the music business like do you want to have your own record label. What what can we expect moving forward?
3: Um so I want to play I want to play to the 20th. I want to play to my 20th year.
2: Jesus um, Christ, you better <laughs> than me, my brother. Oh, you better man than me.
3: I love the game, man. I love the game. It's so fun, man. It's so fun. It's still as fun as it was when I was a kid. Just basketball is such a, a an amazing game. It's just the camaraderie just just going in there and and, and banding together with your brothers to fight another band of brothers. It's just something I was born to do and I love it. Um, Right now I'm signing to my 17th year. So uh, hopefully I can extend somewhere for another three years and just keep the train rolling. Um, And on the music aspect, man, I got so many things I want to do with music when I actually have time. Like I said, it's, it's a real job. It's not a, something you can dabble in put a toe in and I have the utmost respect for artists so much respect um I want to do I want I want to test my hand at the A&R at the at the at the more yeah because I have a I have a beautiful ear for music I I know how to pick an artist there's a lot of artists that are popular now that I was listening to before they were popular and before they 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 had those platinum hits, and I was just like, dang, if I was, if I was A&R somewhere, I could have signed that artist. I could have that type of energy. Man. So that, that's my ultimate goal when it comes to the music game, of course, to keep producing music. Uh, but definitely A&R is, is something that I'm extremely uh, passionate about.
2: That's great, my brother. I appreciate you coming on the show just to hear your journey uh <clears throat> what i just learned about the music industry i you know i i as you know i have friends in the music industry and for me it's just always a business that i'm continuing to learn and i it's a hell help a business as a fan of of music like to to learn and understand the business side of it more and more i feel like it's done something for my ear i feel like it's done something for my appreciation I feel like it's done something for my respect uh, for producers, for artists. I always say that about basketball, like basketball fans, like if you actually understood the business, like if you took the time to actually learn the business, your outlook on it would be totally different. You know, like you'll see certain things going on. You'll better understand them. Like you'll better understand guys' rotations. All of a sudden, this guy isn't playing because he's on the contract year and the team want to lower his number. They can get away with it. Like, just all the different things. And and, and I just had the opportunity to learn some of that, uh, especially on the music side in this interview. I can't thank you enough, brother. I wish you the best. Uh, I wish you the best this year as well. I know, like like you said, uh, they want to win. You, you got to play. And so sure. I know as it come down to it, you'll play. And I appreciate you, man. Draymond Green show, brother. Can't you
3: already thank know, you man. Enough. Congrats, all love, bro.
1: The big take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world.
0: We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets